all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for joining us on this wonderful Wednesday morning. We are glad that you have joined us today. This is the program where you can call in with any kind of healthcare question about yourself or somebody else. Maybe it's just something that you've been wanting to ask. Today is your day to ask that. You can reach us live this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We are glad to be with you live this morning. That's right. This is a live program that you can call into. Maybe this is your first time to tune in to us and maybe a friend said, hey, check this out. You've got a question. You can uh, go call the doc. I'm it. I'm in the hot seat to answer your questions today uh, about all kinds of health issues, whether it's yourself or somebody else. Maybe it's your child or mother or father. You can call in with health questions about maybe a diagnosis they have. Perhaps it's a medication that they're taking. Maybe it's um, maybe it's some symptoms that you hadn't quite put a uh, put your finger on or haven't had a diagnosis yet, we're happy to try to help out in that process and point you in the right direction. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you can't call, if you like to email us, you don't have to do it during the hour. You can also do it when you're um, after the program's over. You can email us at remedy at mpbonline. Dot org. Sleep. Sleep is important. I had um, gastroenteritis last week, and it was bad. It was nasty. I think I'm just getting older and not able to shake it off as much, but pretty felt pretty bad the entire week. Um, but I did get one thing that I needed, which was sleep. I got a lot more sleep and felt so much better. Uh, when I went into the weekend and recovering from my illness. So sleep is incredibly important. I think everybody at least realizes that. Now, how much weight you place on that with what you actually do with your habits can sometimes uh, be varied from person to person. We tend to, even though we know sleep is important for us, a lot of times we have to we have to uh, sort of prioritize lots of things and sleep gets a lower priority. What about in college students? This is a group of healthy, young people who don't have a lot of chronic illnesses compared to other age groups. What's the effect of decreased sleep in college students? So this was uh, recently presented at the Sleep 2019 Annual Meeting of the Associated Profession Professional Sleep Societies. And this was some pooled data from, uh, they basically studied uh, over 100,000 individuals in college 
from years 2011 to 2014 from a National College Health Assessment Survey. And this uh, 110,000 students included about 8,400 who were college athletes. So that's an important subgroup to sort of look at the effects of sleep. And after they adjusted for other variables that might uh, sort of skew the data, the risk for depression or depressed mood, rather, was increased 21% with those in the decreased sleep group. For hopelessness and anger, increased 24%. For anxiety and the desire to harm themselves, 25%. Functional problems, 28%. Thoughts of suicide, 28%. So sleep is definitely associated, or lack of sleep is definitely associated with all these other health conditions. We know this. Most of the studies have been in older individuals, but certainly disrupted sleep or um, not uh, enough sleep, sleep quality that's not quite what it needs to be. Um, if all those things, if they're if they're not right at the right quantity and the quality that you need, they can affect all kinds of things like blood pressure, your risk for heart disease, diabetes, uh, sleep apnea, your um, social interactions with people. So sleep is important. Thankfully, we have sleep specialists now uh, that can treat. People diagnose and treat people of all ages. If you think that you're having some sleep problems, that's who I would recommend. This is Southern Remedy. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to go to Kay in Memphis. Good morning, Kay. How are you? Oh, I did get in early today. You did. I usually wait to the last minute. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know that you remember who I am. I am I, I'm a professional medical social worker with 15 years experience, including Tulane Medical School. Yes, so ma'am. I'm sort of up on it. Yes, ma'am. I am. I'm having a problem. Okay. First, first of all, is it true that they no longer have blood pressure monitors? Like in the home? Yeah, for a person to wear, for a patient to wear. Oh no, we past. definitely yeah, we definitely have those. So there's there's two big categories of those. There's uh the technical term is an ambulatory blood pressure monitor. So that's outside the doctor's office. Yes, I and there are some that are pretty fancy and that may be what you're talking about with uh that you wear for extended periods of time and they take blood yes. pressure several times an hour uh, or every hour and then you get a nice uh, readout of all those measurements. You can sort of see if the blood pressure dips down at night. Um, but you don't have to do those, those are ones that have to be prescribed and worn through a doctor's office or a physician. Yes, yes, I understand that. But but I, uh, I have worn I have worn one in the past. Uh-huh. But my my nurse, I'm sort of having a battle, and I will not give up my cardiologist. But the nurse is sort of causing a problem here. But anyway. Uh, she said, well, they don't make those anymore. And I know that. I, I knew she was not telling the truth. The other thing is, I'm on the warfarin, but I have not been stabilized on my half cup of vitamin K yet. Mm-hmm. And I said, how can I explain? My blood test got lost last time. Uh-oh. Oh, it was, we were, at, we were at war. I'm very professional. And, you know, they wanted to refer me to a social worker. And I said, I am a damn social worker. I have a master's degree in social work. Now, what, and I can understand. I can understand you. Would, said what she said. Yeah, I can so understand now, you'd oh, be well, mad I, about I that. I, 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 I know I'm putting you out. But so now, and I have a prescription for, for my warfare. 11 refills. She won't ever give that. So now how am I supposed to I, I, I get well, get along well with the cardiologist? I do not want to change him. The nurse practitioner, I love them. But this nurse, she is just causing all kinds of problems. Now what can I do? One thing you could do, Kay, is it, although you can continue to be monitored on war, warfarin is a, a medic, it's a blood thinner for everybody else that's out there listening. Uh, it's a blood thinner that you take for various conditions uh, to prevent clotting of the blood or decrease your risk of clotting uh, in, in a number of places. But it has to be monitored. So you have to the the downside is that it it has to be monitored monitored frequently. Uh, and then also it can interact with a lot of other medications and it's affected by your diet. Now, one of the, the newer things, and it might take sort of the middleman out of your uh, issues that you're having, Kay, is home 
uh, just like we had home blood pressure monitors, we have home uh, warfarin monitoring systems. So you have the monitoring system at home. It, electronically, it sends the results to the physician's office. And that, I don't know, you may want to ask about that. That might be something okay. that you could, uh, certainly with your background and your experience, you probably could do that. I did not. I, I did not, not know that there was such a thing yep. today. But I am very professional. I check my blood. Well, what really, excuse my language, pissed me off. She denied that on in the interview, the nurse that she took my blood pressure. I think it's one sixty over something, which was not unusual under the circumstances. Yeah. She did not give me a chance. To, she said, "Go home and take your amlodipine." Yeah. All right, Kay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on there. Sorry about that, but we got a couple other people calling in and uh good luck to you with that interaction. It can be challenging sometimes, but just try to look for some ways to push through that. We're gonna go to Campbell in Jackson, Mississippi. Good morning, Campbell. Hey Doc, how's it going today? Good. Thanks for calling. Of course, of course. Um so I was listening to the station and uh you started talking about college students and, and lack of sleep and all the things that can go wrong there and uh, kind of spoke to me because I kind of fill into all those categories. Um, and I was just wondering if you had any advice on um, steps that you can take on how to get to sleep, um, how to stay asleep, or if you like wake up in the middle of the night. I've heard um, counting sheep and count back from 100, but uh, yep, I wasn't sure old, if you had any other cool. ideas. <laughs> yeah. So um, I appreciate you calling in. It is a common thing. You know, a lot of people are like, well, college, you're supposed to not get any sleep. Um, <laughs> but it is important. So uh, there are some things that we call sleep behavioral modification or sleep hygiene. And those are things like if you're going to drink things that are going to keep you up, like caffeine intake. The other thing that we see in the college age range in young adults is an increase in caffeine intake. And caffeine's a wonderful drug, really. It's a, it's a, you know, it, it is a drug. It can keep you awake if you. Uh, some people are more sensitive than other people. Sometimes you can take way too much caffeine. So trying to limit that, particularly later in the afternoon and at night. Uh, mm-hmm. is really important. And then your body is sort of set up in a normal situations to wake up when there's light and when there's activity and noise and sounds and to go to sleep when there's not, when there's no, you know, when it gets dark. And so if you mess with that system, if you start looking at your phone, which is really tempting, I feel the urge <laughs> too. you know, like, hey, I can't sleep. Maybe if I look at my phone, I'll fall asleep. Well, that activates the cells in the back of the retina to send messages to the brain to say, there's light, it's time to wake up or stay awake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if the wavelength, you know, uh, Apple and other companies have gotten, uh, you know, they're sensitive to this, particularly the blue wavelengths of light are the ones that keep us up more than others. So they've changed it to sort of that amber color, sort of the nighttime mode, uh, which which is a good idea, and that can help out a little bit. But any type of light is not gonna that's still gonna keep you up you can read from a book with uh with ambient light in the room that's sort of that lower color you know that lower wavelength and that's okay it's just something about the light wavelength in the phone so those small studies but basically saying that that keeps you awake and then other things too making sure that you have you know not a whole lot of activity before bedtime if you go out and run and then come back in your body's kind of sort of be geared up from those kinds of things, from exercise if you go to the gym late. Um, and then trying to make sure you have limited interruptions. I know that sometimes that's hard to do for a college student. Some mm-hmm. of them use earplugs. Some of them use other means to try to limit those that stimuli. Uh, those are some basic things I would do. You mentioned a couple of old-school type things like counting sheep, counting numbers. That's really getting your brain on a methodical sort of thinking about other things. Um, if it's beyond that, you, you know, you may want to check in with a physician. There may be some things you can do. Melatonin is fine, particularly if you've been up for a long time and then you need to go to sleep or you've changed time zones. A lot of people swear about it. It doesn't have a whole lot of side effects. It's over the counter. It's, it's totally safe to take. Okay. Awesome. All cool. right. Sweet dreams to you, Campbell. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Thanks so much, Doc. All well. right. Have a great day. Okay. All right, uh, so we're going to take a, qu- a quick break. I know we got a couple of people hanging on the lines. Thank you for being patient. You can call us this morning and with all of your health care questions by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464 or email us at remedy at mpbonline.org. When we come back, we're going to be going to Sherry and Jackie.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning and uh, taking some calls. Already got some good ones this morning about sleep. We mentioned that on, on the, the top of the hour. It doesn't have to be about sleep today. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Sherry in Meridian. Good morning, Sherry. Hey there. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Um, I have a college student, an 18-year-old that will be a freshman this fall, and I'm going to send a first aid kit with him when he goes, and I wondered if you might have some suggestions on what to include. Ooh, yeah. So I, I'm in the same boat. So my oldest, uh, Connor, who's 18, he's going to be a freshman at Mississippi College. And uh, that's always a good idea, a little care package to take with him. And what's more practical than uh, first aid? Um, by the way, you know, all once you get it together, I'm sort of jumping ahead of myself, then you got to make sure it actually gets there, right? Because it could right. like end up in their car or who knows where. It's like, hey, where's that kit that I gave you? I cut my finger finger and they're like oh i don't know so um yeah those are that's important um so some basic things in there are some things that you know that you have around the house band-aids different sizes uh what they have really good waterproof band-aids and those are helpful particularly on your hands um uh, uh antibiotic ointment is always something those go out of date though so you want to make sure that you know you sort of pay attention to that but usually if you get it right at the first of the year it's good as long as it doesn't get too hot um, other things, you know, we used to put crazy stuff in there like Ipecac and for poisonings and things like that. Really, I wouldn't go there. Number one, it doesn't really work well. It causes a lot of problems, particularly with some ingestions or poisonings. And almost every college campus now is going to have, uh, an employee health facility that's pretty close that they can get to. Um, other things like for aches and pains, ibuprofen, Tylenol, those are fine to send. Um, some people would send, you know, like some diarrhea type medications like over the counter Imodium. And uh, that's fine too. Everybody gets sort of gets the jitters around test time and maybe you've got some problems going on and stressed out and lack of sleep. Uh, but those are some of the basics. You don't really don't have to get that extravagant, you know, with, things like a snake bite kit or all kinds of, you know, unless your, your son or daughter is going into herpetology, that's probably not a, not, not an issue. Um, but those are, those are some of the most common things that I would say if, if they can have band-aids, antibiotic ointment, um, that, that's a, that's probably the biggest deal. If they have sprains, um, muscle pulls that persist beyond a couple of days, they probably need to see somebody there and not try to fool with it themselves. What kind of, what kind of suggestions did you have? Actually, one that um, this brought to mind, what all to put in it, uh, had a friend whose son had flu last year mm-hmm. in the health um, center, told him if his temperature went up to come back. Well, he didn't have a thermometer. Yeah, that's a good so, idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought a thermometer, but, you know, those digital ones are inexpensive and easy to use. Yeah, excellent idea. So, excellent idea. Yeah, that that's one that they don't, you know, just give out or <laughs> certainly don't have that in the dorm room. I remember being there myself. So, yeah, that's that that's definitely uh, you know, something to to think about to send with them uh and to make sure that they have. All right, thank you Sherry and good luck to you with your exodus of your of your uh college student there. Thank you. Good luck All right. to you too. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Let's go to Jackie, who's been patiently waiting from uh, Itawamba County. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, Dr. Jimmy, and I'm glad you're feeling better. Ah, thank you, thank you. I am too. Um, I'm 66, um, and somehow over the last couple of years, I've gotten behind on medical checkups. Mm-hmm. The closest town to where I live is Tupelo, um, and they don't have a geriatrician there anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how to go about or the best way to go about finding someone to coordinate my medical care because it seems like, you know, there are a lot of specialties Uh (laughs) 
do, do you have a suggestion about that? Yeah, the the two that I would, you know, geriatrics comes to mind, and people in their practice define that a little bit differently. A geriatrician is somebody that's going to have some extra training. Uh, they've already gone through internal medicine or um, uh, family medicine, and they've got some extra training with people who are older, and that's defined in different ways. Some people say over the age of 65, some say 70, but uh, they're going to know some of the the, uh, more common things and the things to watch out for. You don't have to have a geriatrician. Everybody doesn't have to have have one, but if I had to pick two specialties in particular and I was – uh, you know, I was over the age of 65. I would either choose an internal medicine physician or a uh, family medicine physician. And okay. both of those specialties have a lot of experience and ask around. Look, you know, there's uh, health grades, doctor health grades that are online to see if there's some ratings. You have to, you know, some of that's pretty decent on, on actual, the actual ratings of physicians. Uh, but really, word of mouth is probably the best thing. You know, who's your doctor? Do you know somebody who's really, really good? Why is he good? Why do you trust him? Why do you like him? Um, those are the, some of the questions to ask. But I think, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of problems or don't know that you have a whole lot of problems, those are the people that really are going to coordinate care for you uh, if you need to see a specialist. A lot of people will see somebody like a cardiologist or a endocrinologist, and they take care of all their health care needs. But, you know, and, and those that's fine. They, they, in those cases, they've been an internal medicine doctor or training. But really, an internal medicine or family medicine physician really has the background to really coordinate that care and sort of pick up on those routine things that might come up. Okay, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for calling. Yeah, it's important to have that one physician or primary care provider. And a nurse practitioner is fine, too. You know, that's that's certainly somebody that uh, in in primary care that uh, are really good, well-trained, and they can pick up on a lot of things that, uh, they, and particularly if they know you, establishing that relationship with somebody, that's uh, extremely important. All right, let's go to Bell in Yazoo City. I think that's Yazoo City. Right. Um Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy your show. I don't get to listen to it much. Uh, I just have a comment um, to support the retired social worker in Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, I think a lot, I, I'm a septuagenarian, and um, I get so sick of people treating me like I don't have any sense. And uh, I mean, it, it's. It, I think that's just inexcusable for a nurse to treat her that way. And um, I put up with it all the time, and I hate ageism. And I know that a lot of people mean well on a lot of things, like uh, come up and grab you to try to help you down the steps. I have bad posture, but when people do that, it throws my balance off. I work out at the gym two or three times a week. But um, I just wanted to back her up on that, and I have friends that have the same experience. And I just think that uh, professionals and the general public also should treat older people like they would anybody else. I know that they want to show respect, but sometimes they do the opposite. And uh, that's about all I had to say. And uh, I, I think you're a great teacher as well as a physician. You sound like you really have a calling. Well, thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you, Bill. And thank you for those comments. I, I will... Uh, I will echo, I I agree with you totally on that. In fact, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned teaching. I just came, I gave a lecture this morning from 8.30 to 9.30 to some medical students. And one of the things that I said was, uh, you know, when there are lots of different things that pull physicians in different directions, time constraints, Um, they may have sicker patients here and then you still need to see other patients or you need to, you know, you want to give every patient as much time and attention and be present in that moment as you can. One of the things to keep in mind is, is a question you can just ask yourself, who is the most important person in the room, wherever that room is, if it's in the hospital or outpatient setting and it's the patient. That's that's something that can ground you as a physician or any healthcare worker, whether you're a nurse or whether you're a nurse practitioner or a radiologic technician or whatever, uh, physician's assistant, anything. If you're if you're that first person in that medical in that uh, medical office, 
you know, we should strive to treat everybody with respect. And uh, sure, you get tired. Uh, You know, that's why they call it the medical profession. It's just there is a different standard that we hold ourselves, should hold ourselves to, um, to treat everybody equally, no matter what your age. As Bell said, it doesn't mean if you're, you know, if you're uh, if you're older, but even if you're younger, I mean, all ages, we should treat everybody with that respect and and time and patience are it's hard to do that. Um, but Bell, thank you for that. That's a great challenge for all of us in the healthcare profession, and uh, something that uh, we should all inspire to. All right, we're going to go. Oh, this is Southern Remedy. Let me give you the number for those who may be call, wanting to call. It is. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you want to send us an email, you can always send it to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to go to Kevin. Am I going in the right order here? Keep me honest. So I think we're going to uh, to um, yeah to going to Cody in Biloxi. Sorry about that, Cody. Oh no problem. Uh, thanks for answering my call. I had a, uh, a question about over-the-counter herbal supplements. I have a brother of mine who just recently started taking something called Kratom or maybe Kratom, and it just seems like there's not a lot of information out there about it, and I was just wondering if you knew anything about any potential risks or anything like that. I think that particular one um, is um, sort of like the chitin um, derivative so if it's so is is it C R A T O N is that it, it's a K R A okay yeah, yeah 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 I think that one is um is one that is sort of for is it for like joint pains and aches or that's what they advertise it for yeah. it's like pain relief or something like that it's like a whole slew of things they say it does but it just uh, doesn't seem to be much. Of evidence in it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was so, wondering if you knew anything. So, yeah, there's a lot of different uh, things that are out there like that. So, yeah, you do have to be careful, and there's there's several things you have to be careful for. Number one, uh, a lot of them don't have the evidence. You know, I, I train, I practice medicine in a way that is based largely on evidence of large numbers of trials with over-the-counter medications, which we don't have as many, or medications or therapies, or even, you know, we study all kinds of stuff all the time. I mean, I'm in academic medicine. I've been in it for over 20 years. It's There's a lot of things that we study, even talking to people, how we talk to people, how we take a history. We're, we're constantly studying everything that we do to try to improve on it and try to get better and try to validate, is this something that is worthwhile um, so over-the-counter medications are, are no different. It is a little bit harder because there's not really a whole lot of of money involved. You know, a company doesn't pour a whole lot of money into over-the-counter medications because it's easier to market those directly to people without, you know, having a physician prescribe it. Some things have some pretty decent evidence. Some don't. And uh, I usually take the view, you've probably heard me say on this program, Look, if you're taking it for something, as long as it's not going to harm you, I will look online. There's a couple of databases like uh, Micromedics uh, uh, up to date that sometimes have some uh, – they can pull and search for some small studies of over-the-counter medications and supplements. But they're not really regulated. You don't know how much you're getting in that of that substance uh, and uh, effects tend to be sort of hit or miss. Now, if you take that and you get an improvement – then that's great. Keep taking it. That's fine. I mean, the only thing that, you know, probably is going to affect you is is your is your wallet. Uh, but uh, there are some medications that interact with common medications or prescribed medications that a person is taking. So just because something's over the counter doesn't mean you can't just add it to whatever they're taking on in their prescriptions because it may interact with that. We talked about warfarin early in the program. There are a lot of over-the-counter medications uh, uh, supplements that can um, can interfere with warfarin's ability to work in the body. So you do have to. I, I always say, look, if you're taking something, let me know. Let your physician know. Let your primary care provider know, so that they can make sure that's not going to interact with what you're taking. So I'm not aware, Ron, specifically of anything in that product that's been proven. I can I'll go and look at it and. Uh, and try to see, but I don't think there's a whole lot of evidence there with that. However, if somebody's swearing by it and it's not doesn't have anything in it that's going to interact with them or make you know 
uh, uh, have any deleterious effects to them, then, hey, by all means, go for it. Well, all right. I, I appreciate you saying that. All right. Thanks, Ron. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go to um, – to your calls, you can reach us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jimmy with you this morning on MPB Think Radio, Southern Remedy. A lot of great calls so far. You can reach us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. During the break, I looked up, our previous caller mentioned a supplement that somebody was taking called Kratom's, uh, K-R-A-T-O-M. I thought he was saying N, but it's actually M. Uh, so it has, it's been touted to be useful for anxiety, cough, depression, diabetes, diarrhea, high blood pressure, opioid withdrawal, pain, and some other things. Not a whole lot of evidence, as he mentioned, if you look at it. This is, I just looked this up in one of my databases. Uh, as far as side effects, it does seem to be, uh, you know, if you have had problems with alcohol intake or dependence, uh, those people tended to have a risk of suicide if you were taking Kratom with that um, and there, and it might worsen some mental disorders. So there is sort of a risk there and not a whole lot of data on interactions or dosing. So there you have it, limited info, but, um, just, um, you know, you gotta be sort of careful about what you take. And a lot of people will say, well, I'm sort of just sort of, I'm being a guinea pig about it. That's sort of dangerous. Uh, particularly if you have other medical problems. So check it out first as best you can. Our pharmacists are great about doing this. I have a team of pharmacists at home. Dr. Debbie Miner uh, is great. She usually has some pharmacy students and pharmacy residents that work with her from time to time in the clinic. And we uh, ask them to, you know, to help us uh, try to figure out a lot of these things. They're great, man. They, they come up with all kinds of information on different things. Uh, thank you for waiting, Ron, from Tupelo. Thanks for calling. Hey, I just wanted to say, I heard your other caller. Um, all natural doesn't mean very much. I mean, you know, flour, it's all natural. But right. if you ha- inhale a lot of it, you're going to die. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, so, you're right. But, but, but anyway, the lady from Metawoma County is looking for a gerontologist. I live in Tupelo area, and she's right. There's not a dedicated gerontologist here anymore. However, there are some good family practice physicians that work with the hospice agencies. And she could call, I've sat in on meetings, she could call one of the hospice agencies and ask who their consulting physician is. And these people have a ton of experience with elderly people. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a great point. And experience has a lot to do with it. You know, Ron brings up a great point is, uh, you know, the, the training and qualifications are one thing and they're good. They're great. I mean, it would be great if you had in that area, particularly Tupelo, they need a geriatrician uh, in that area. However, if you don't, there are certainly people that have the experience and are really good at what they do in treating, uh, treating that population. So, um, that's an excellent source of contacting the hospice agencies and sort of getting their their buy-in on that. Okay. Um, by the way, I have a friend that really wants to talk to you. Could you just listen to him for a second? Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doc, 
Dr. Jimmy. This is the real Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and, and I really don't appreciate you. You're, you're taking my name. <laughs> I've never heard that joke before. Nobody's ever had that a joke about Jimmy Stewart. Ron, you're too wow. much. You're too much, Ron. And Jimmy uh, Stewart. I appreciate you calling. <laughs> uh, adios. All right, have a good day. Yeah, Zuzu's pedals. I've never I've never never heard that before. Uh it's, it's pretty sad. People don't know who Jimmy Stewart is anymore. So it's it's um I, I like it. It's great. I love his movies. I you know, look at them. I I put my young kids particularly through a lot of Jimmy Stewart movies and about halfway through, sometimes they'll say, this is a really good movie, isn't it? <laughs> All right, let's go to Slim Smith in Columbus. Good morning, Slim. Good morning. How are you today? Good. That's an awesome name. <laughs> well, I acquired it as a youth and I've, uh, nickname, and I've outgrown it over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally or figuratively? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the reason I'm calling is... Uh, uh, I'm a reporter with a newspaper here in, in Columbus, and we've, uh, uh, in recent months, done a lot of reporting on Kratom. Uh, in the city of Columbus and also in Lowndes County, as well as the town of Caledonia, uh, local ordinances were passed to ban the sale of Kratom. Uh, so there's a real debate about uh, the safety of the product. Uh, yeah, I know looks- in, the last two years, in the last two years in the legislature, there were bills that uh, sought to have Kratom added to the list of scheduled drugs. So uh, uh, I, I can't say, certainly I'm not a medical professional, I've done no research, but I can say there's enough debate about the topic and its safety to warrant people to be very careful uh, in the uses of it. Yeah, I would be. There There are some overlap with a lot of the opioids in the way that it works. So, yeah, that's that's probably the, one of the bigger reasons for doing that. And as I said, you know, if you have a supplement that has a little bit of evidence in some smaller trials, of having an increase in mental illness or suicide, that's a big deal. Um, and it's something that I would probably be very cautious about. So uh, yeah, thank- I just think there's, a, there's enough of a debate to warrant uh, people being very careful uh, in uh, whether or not they choose to use it or not. And we have, we have good alternatives, you know, for uh, most, uh, you know, conditions that you may be wanting to treat. That's the other thing, too, is like, hey, we have – really good alternatives, whether they be prescription, whether they be modalities like physical therapy or, uh, you know, all kinds of other things that that have been studied, looked at, safer, uh, and don't have a lot of the potential side effects. So, you know, and again, as our previous caller said, just because it's natural, if it's a natural supplement, that doesn't mean a whole lot in today's market. I mean, that's, uh, you really have to be careful with that. Uh, I know another, uh, another uh, 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 proposed benefit of it is almost like an energy drink and some yeah. people uh we have, we have steel workers that work shift work uh that that do use it uh for that purpose so uh just wanted to let you know that uh we've we've dealt with it as an issue here in our community and i thought i'd pass that along you do a great job of what you do so thank you for what, what you do every week hey thanks slim i'll i'll keep calling you slim how about that that's great all right <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Vell in Waynesboro. Good morning. Good morning. I enjoy your education. Um, my question is, what would be a the best multivitamin um, for someone? I'm 64, um, Graves disease diagnosis, osteopenia, osteosoriasis. Uh, I'm active. I walk. I do the weight. Um, I take the Centroid uh, Monday through Friday, 75 milligrams, and then Saturday and Sunday, 50 um, through the endocrinologist, and the child trait, 60 uh, milligrams twice a day. So what would be a good supplement? And that caltrate is with vitamin D in it? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Vail, you're doing great right now. How's your diet? Are, are you, uh, anytime any of my patients ask me, hey, what kind of a multivitamin should I take? I ask them, well, tell me more about how, you know, what you eat. Do you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables? I do. I eat um, healthy. I work to eat healthy um, fruits, vegetables, seeds, nuts, some meat. Yeah, it's, it's, and um, so that sounds like you're doing everything you need to do. Now, if you wanted to take, like, I probably wouldn't do more than one other thing. Uh, You know, a multivitamin and any of the multivitamins that are out there, whether that's a a one-a-day or, 
you know, those are fine to take. Um, you want to be careful because you have a hypothyroidism in your own thyroid replacement, of course. You don't want to take that medication, the Synthroid, at the same time that you're taking other medications because it can interfere with the absorption of it, particularly with your calcium that you're taking. So you want to make sure those are uh, different times when you do that, uh, which I'm sure you're doing that already. But uh, other than that, you know, you don't necessarily have to take a multivitamin, particularly if you're eating a healthy diet. A lot of people ask questions about a B vitamin complex, those are fine. B vitamins you can't take too much of. You can't overdose on those. Uh, your body just eliminates those uh, through the urine mostly. Uh, they don't build up in your system. Vitamins A, D, E, and K, uh, some of those can if you get too much, if you're taking large amounts of those. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go crazy on that. Vitamin C, there's really not, you know, there's very little data that suggests that vitamin C is useful. People still, you know, physicians say, hey, make sure you're taking vitamin C right now. Want to make sure you're on that. That's fine, too. Vitamin C is something that you can't, you know, it can't really hurt you with the exception of maybe some upset stomach for some people if you take too much. But, Bill, uh, it sounds like you're doing everything right, uh, particularly with that calcium and, and vitamin D because of the osteopenia, which is thinning of the bones. Um, but if you wanted to take just a, a, an all around, uh, one, one a day vitamin, that should be fine. Would it be best to buy it from GNC or Walmart? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you look at like the breakdown of them and how they're absorbed and everything, I know they have a lot of marketing with those. Doesn't matter a bit. Um, next uh, question. I know I've had to take maybe 2000 micrograms of, uh, uh, vitamin D. It, it yeah. Sporadically. Uh-huh. Can you expound on that? Yeah. I bet they're checking your vitamin D levels from time to time. Yes, and yeah. calcium. Yeah. So um, so because you have thinning of the bones, osteoporosis or osteopenia, I'm sorry, osteopenia is thinning of the bones. They okay, so you're all the way over in osteoporosis. Good. Okay, so that is the you have to have if you think about building up of your bones, uh, there's you, you got to have material, right? So if you were building a brick wall, you got to have bricks and mortar, and you got to have both of those things to build them up. So if you think about your bones in the same kind of way, you got to have enough calcium and you got to have enough vitamin D. As we get older, our bodies absorb less of nutrients so it can absorb less of the calcium but in particular vitamin d is something that our bodies both absorb and make and that mechanism can wane with time and and not be as productive as it does so anytime we pick up with screening of osteopenia thinning of the bones or osteoporosis if we pick up on that we will test uh, vitamin d levels to see if they're low, because if you don't have enough mortar, you can't build that wall. Uh, it doesn't matter how much calcium you have if you don't have enough vitamin D also. But you need to check for that. Some people have great stores of vitamin D they don't have to take anymore. And it, it does sometimes take a lot more for some people. So it's not something that if you're just taking cal, uh, caltrate with D, that may not be enough vitamin D. You may have to take more like a prescription of it. So people usually, you know, they'll say, oh, my goodness, it's like 20,000 units or 50,000 units of vitamin D. Am I going to die from that? No, that's fine. That's what you need because your vitamin D levels are low. If your vitamin D levels are okay, you may not need that. But it's building that wall back up and having adequate intake of both of those substances. Does that make sense? It, it does sporadically when it's checked. Um, maybe every six months, if I need the D, they'll give me maybe five, six um, capsules yeah. of the D. Um, I'm active. I'm small. I watch my weight. I walk. I do weights, exercise, everything, jogging to try to feel the bone, and I'm careful um, not to fall because there's a risk for being small. Oh, Absolutely. In this um, bone, Danny. Vail, you you are the uh, the poster patient of the day. So uh, you're doing everything right that you need to be doing for osteoporosis. 
The, I'm glad you mentioned the exercise, like load-bearing exercise and weights, some small weights. That's important as you get older because for two reasons. It builds up. If, if you have all those at bricks and mortar, the way you build up those bones is through exercise. So they, they you're using them over and over and putting weight on them, and that helps uh, to keep them, you know, thick enough, strong enough, and that's important. But it also it exercises those muscles and it conditions those muscles around the joints, so that can help prevent falls, um, particularly in movements like going up and down stairs, uh, you know, walking on unsteady ground. All kinds of exercises that your physical therapist or just going to the gym and having somebody, a trainer, saying, you know, telling them, "Hey, I'm concerned about falls. Can you help me sort of develop these areas?" They can certainly do that in a way that can help prevent that. So, Vail, hats off to you. You are doing everything right. I have one more quick question, please. All right, real quick. um, My my endocrinologist sent me for this reclass. Yeah. Do you follow me? And I noticed that it's been about four years. And someone told me, said, you haven't had it in four years. You're supposed to have it yearly. But I can feel my fingers tingling. It's not in the joint. But I can feel that. Yeah, and re- when I when I use the weights, it seems to ease it. Yeah. Reclat, they may have just stopped it because you probably had like a repeat bone density test. And d- yes. depending on the change there, you can stop it. Reclass is a medication that helps the bones take up that calcium and can actually make them thicker. Um, but it's, it's great. It's a once-a-year thing that you take. Uh, there's other medications. Or bisphosphonates is the big group. They do have some risks that you have to talk about with your physician, but they're great medications, particularly for preventing some of the effects of osteoporosis. Yes, thank you. All right, Vail. Thanks for calling. We're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, Michelle has been patiently, patiently, patiently waiting. We're going to come to her first, but then we have time for one or two other calls. If you want to try to squeeze one in, you can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this. Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464, or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. Lots and lots of good calls. Man, everybody's just calling in with all kinds of good stuff today. Uh, if you'd like to squeeze one in, we're going to go to Michelle in just a second, and then we've probably got time for one other caller. If you'd like to call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always email us at remedy at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for waiting. Okay, so uh, everybody's calling about Kratom, and I just wanted to share my personal experience with it. You know, I think discussion about things like this are really, really important. Um, Actually, today I am celebrating three years sober from an opioid addiction, and I was actually able to get off of methadone from a methadone maintenance therapy program I was on for about three years. With the help of Kratom, I was able to taper down, drop off the methadone, take the Kratom, and get through that first two weeks, and then actually taper off the Kratom and still be able to function now. You know, I'm not one of those people that's trying to say, oh, Kratom is a wonder drug. It worked for me. It may not work for everyone, but I think these are the type of discussions that we need to have, especially since there is such limited access, especially in rural areas 
into uh, addiction treatment programs. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I thank you for sharing that, Michelle, and and congratulations to you for doing that. Not and something easy to do for anybody, uh, and it takes a lot of a lot of dedication to uh, from you, and certainly a lot of help from other things. I think you're you're right. There's multiple ways. To, uh, to try to help people. Was that, now I'm just curious, was that something, how did you find out about that? I had heard about it. Um, I was visiting, you know, one of the supplement stores. I had heard whispers about it for years. You know, people in the methadone program were talking about it. You know, it's just kind of one of those things you hear about when you're in that, that kind of a environment. And I said, well, it can't hurt to try it. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, I'm just going to have to be really, really sick while I get off of this, you know, methadone replacement. Right. And I I tried it, and I just kind of adjusted the dose. The wonderful thing about Kratom is if you take too much, it will actually give you a really bad headache and a really bad stomach ache. So it's very hard to really overdo it. I mean, anything in excess is bad for you. It's just kind of one of those things with the limited research on it that you kind of have to play with uh, dosage-wise yourself and figure out what works for you and stick with it and then be dedicated in tapering off it because it's in the same family as the coffee group. Um, But it does act on those receptors in the same way, but it's a lot less addictive. And, you know, you really just have to worry about who you're getting your Kratom from. Is it a reputable dealer? Is there any kind of testing going on to make sure that there are no adulterants or pesticides? You just, you really need to do your research, but it is an option for some people. So. All right. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us, Michelle. We're up to the hour and uh, more to come on that and other things. Thanks for everybody who called in on Southern Remedy. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy. And please stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.